Um, so I don't think there's nearly anything that I could give this morning that would be um, profound or shattering from this passage. I'm sure a lot of us, if you grew up in church, have heard the road to Emmaus taught and reflected on many times. Um, but through the context of what we're going through right now, uh, as a people, as um, a world, to me there are four observations that I just want to make from this. And, um, and you can kind of take it or leave it or, or see what, what connects with you. As I, was, as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think of just the wallpaper in the room for myself and all of us is that we are in the midst of a, of a, of a hardship of a tragedy, um, of trauma, of a pandemic, and it's unavoidable wherever you go. When you see someone with a mask on, it's, it's dystopian almost. It, it feels surreal. And, uh, and even if I, as I was trying to go to the farmer's market yesterday and come back, and then when we tried to go to Shelby Farms and come back, or the grocery store and come back, just everywhere it's just clear that there's a lot going on. Um, that this morning even um, news reporting that at least what we know of over 200,000 people have have died because of this and then of course those numbers are more than likely much higher because there are lots of unconfirmed cases um, and that uh, in the United States um, that um, we have at least 50,000 that we know of and even somewhere like New York they have at least 22,000 of those deaths there it's, this is a lot. This is a hardship. This is a tragedy. And, um, and there are certain things that we need to know during hardships and tragedies. And as I was thinking about for these people, uh, these two people walking on the road to Emmaus, they were in the midst of a hardship and a tragedy. The world had changed on them and it turned upside down in a matter of days. And, um, and so these four observations, I think, or what I see there with them, and I think it could be with us. And the first observation that I saw in this passage um, is that God moves near us in tragic times. Now, if there was ever a, a drum that was beat regularly at Christ City, uh, that God moves near sadness, God moves near people in tragic times, it would be that. But just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's not profound. Um, just because it's obvious doesn't mean it's not profound. Just because it's, once you see it here and you see it everywhere in Scripture, it doesn't mean that we go, oh, okay, well then that's nice, but what else? Like th this, this idea that God moves near people in tragedy, God moves near people who are sad and going through hardship. I mean, it says here uh, that Jesus appears to them and he's asking the question, like, what's going on? Like, what are you talking about? And then it says, verse 17, they stood still and their faces downcast. Like how big and unsettling must life have been for these two people in that moment that the writer needed to capture that. They must have been really downcast. They must have been really sad. That's, that would be the Greek there. They were just really sad. And when you're really sad and really in it in those moments, it's hard to believe anything else good could be true because your reality has been upended and your world doesn't work. 
if these two men are like the other disciples, they more than likely were hedging all their bets and all their resources and all their hopes, all their dreams, that maybe this Messiah, of all the Messiahs that have risen up throughout Israel over the years, right? Starting with the Maccabeans and, and all the way up to uh, different, different Messiahs that, that Rome would crucify or, or whatnot. Like, of all these Messiahs, hopefully this was the one that was going to be it. And yet, he seemingly wasn't. Which means, politically, their lives were going to stay on the bottom of the totem pole still. Things weren't going to change. And if you, were, if you were used to living life at the low end of the totem pole, and finally somebody came in, was going to come into power that's going to say, hey, I'm going to like raise you up, you're like, man, I'm behind this guy. Um, here's someone who is going to restore Israel. And so, yeah, they're sad. And what's really interesting is when people cry out in sadness, in their tragedy, in their hardship, it's like it gets God's attention the quickest. And we see it even all the way to the beginning in, um, in Exodus chapter 2. Like, it says at the end of Exodus chapter 2, it's all this story about Egypt and how harsh they were and the power they had and how these Hebrew people are under their power. And it says they cried out. And then it says that God heard them and he knew he die. He saw them. Like, he, did, he didn't miss them. Um, and I think about how that even when Jesus shows up, God in the flesh, over 24 times, it talks about these in the Synoptic Gospels, that Jesus saw someone in their pain, in their suffering, and then he felt compassion towards them, and then he acted. And how God hears people who are in tragic places. But then I wonder how hard it is for us to admit how sad or difficult life is, how tragic life is to each other. Because we don't want to be a burden, or we don't want to look weak, or we don't want to show too many cards, because before when we've done that, maybe people took advantage of us. But it seems like we miss God until we talk about like how bad life is. And I would just encourage us during this time, it's really good and cathartic to talk about how difficult all this is. To not hold it in. To do check-ins of how, man, this is hard. Man, I'm lonely. Man, I'm hurt. Man, I'm afraid. Man, I'm sad. And that somehow, some way, when we do that, it sends like the bat signal out to God. And we're like, but shouldn't God just read my mind and read my mail? And I'm like, yeah, but it's like for you to know that you're needy and you to talk about it and let God come and meet you, it becomes an invitation in those moments. And so what we see here is that two people are really sad, and God shows up. So the first thing I'd say is God moves near us in tragedy. The second thing I saw here is God confronts us in tragedy. Uh, if you look at verse 25, after they talked about all that wasn't happening in life and, and what they're really sad over, like Jesus gets kind of snippety, it feels like. Like, he has almost like a sharp response. Like, imagine somebody like being all sad, and then all of a sudden, somebody saying back, how foolish are you, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken? You're like, dang, man. Like, they're just trying to talk about their sadness. What are you doing here? You know? Um, I mean, Jesus obviously has some Enneagram 8 in him. So, like, he's, he's willing to confront something, right? He's willing to say, like, you guys are missing something here. And once I kind of got through just some of the uh, just the 
the what I would see as maybe a, a harsher, unneeded response there. I started thinking about how important it is to know that God, um, when when I am in these low places, that God will send people and give me moments that can confront maybe things that aren't just sad but self-pitying. Maybe things that aren't just um, hurtful but I'm turning into uh, a lot of, uh, it's turning into a lot of resentment in my life and how much I need those kind of confrontations. Um, even right now, the first example I would use is with my daughter Charlotte. So she's six and has uh, a very uh, underdeveloped frontal lobe, as she should. That studies show that her frontal lobe won't be developed fully until sometime between 25 and 30 years old. So she's a six-year-old, and she acts like a six-year-old, and therefore she processes her emotions as a six-year-old. Uh, and right now, going on to week seven, if, you, if you've met Charlotte before or know her, you know that she has no problem attaching. She loves attachment. Uh, she does not have an attachment disorder at all. Uh, and um, um, she misses connection. She misses people. Uh, she, she misses getting to touch and connect. And, um, I, I find that, uh, I found that with her, it's just a lot. Like it's, it's become a lot as of, as of late, because what's happening is she can't, um, she almost can't reason what's happening around her. Like we're inside again today and it's not changing. I only can hang out with my, my friend or my friend's through a phone call or a FaceTime. And so obviously it's kind of playing on her. And what we found is, and what I found is, is that she's just more tired and ill. And we get to about four or five o'clock at the end of the day, and we have meltdowns on a regular basis. And, um, and in that, it's easy for her to become convinced that this is the world and it's never going to change. And it's just doom and gloom that she can't have access to what she wants to have access to. And so I have to sit with her and confront. Now here's the thing, confrontation, I see somebody, oh Jim, eights claiming to be eights, Jesus. Yes, no, but like I have to confront her. I have to confront and go, hey, um, like here's what it's like to be with you. Here's what's going on. And it's, it's gonna be okay. Like daddy's here, I'm gonna take care of you. And what's going on inside? Like, you're angry, you're sad. What are you angry and sad over? And I find that, like, you know, confrontation from God doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a slap in the face. It, it could just be that he just brings somebody in your life to go, hey, what's going on here? Things seem really off. Like, that could be confrontation. And so that's what I have to do with, with Charlotte. Because what I have to do with her is remind her of the reality. And the reality is this, like, it's difficult and sad and a lot, and we're going to be okay. And, um, and Daddy's here. And so I have to give her even more assurances these days than what she needed. And I would say that when we're going through tragic times, a lot of times we need those confrontation and assurances that like Jesus didn't just go like, hey, you're idiots. He's like, don't you see? Because it says in starting with Moses and through the prophets, he re-explained to them all that must be when it comes to the Messiah. So it was a very kind and gracious confrontation. It just didn't go, you're missing it. But he also goes, and here's what it really means, and here's what it really is. Um, and I would say as well, the gift of my daughter has not been just that, like, it's not just that I confront her, it's that she can confront me. I can lose sight of the reality 
of what does it mean to be loving and kind and thoughtful. I'll give you an example. Um, she's she's gotten more access to i to an iPad because she has to do schoolwork on it and. And then sometimes she wants to do a little more games that she can learn on. And so to cut her off from using the iPad can sometimes be like a big deal. And so we had a moment this past week where I was just getting tired of telling her to put the iPad down, put the iPad down. And then I got up the next morning. And I was already kind of on tilt because she was difficult the night before. And her and Suzanne and Maxine were in our living room just kind of hanging out, having some quiet time, getting the morning going. But Charlotte was on the iPad. And I got in there. I said, Charlotte you need to put the iPad away. We're done, you know, kind of thing. And uh, she walked by me and she said, you know, Daddy, you're being, you're being really mean. And then she walked on. And I looked at her and I thought, what did she say to me? And then I looked at Suzanne and Suzanne goes, like, yeah, you are being kind of mean. Um, that the confrontation... I had a confrontation there, a confrontation of how I was coming across, a confrontation of what it was like to be with me, and the need to even like be different there, to not be as sharp or harsh. Um, all that being said, there's confrontations that God brings to us about how, even though times are hard, He's still with us, and people can bring in those messages, but also confrontation of, what does it mean for me to work on my presence and attitude and my demeanor? And if I'm not being kind and loving, how do I even, um, how can I change in those ways? Because the pressure and trauma of it all that, that's all around us can, can really be discouraging. And we can sometimes forget what it's like and what does it mean to be that present and that thoughtful and that loving um, when times are just so hard regularly. The third thing I'd say that I thought was really important for this passage is God reveals himself to us when we least expect it in tragic times. If you look at verse 30, it says that he went home with them and they're sitting and having a meal. And then at the end of the meal, uh, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the meal, it says when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And it says, and their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from, from their sight. Which, can we just talk about like um, the, the ability to transport wherever he wants to? Like... Uh, is incredible, like teleportation. I'm I'm all I'm all here and all for uh, teleporting Jesus. It's pretty incredible. So he can appear out of nowhere, like he walks out of nowhere, and then um, uh, he walks on the road, and they're like, "Where'd this guy come from?" And then he's like having dinner, and he disappears. It's pretty incredible. All that said, when he disappears, they're like their eyes their eyes are open, and he disappears, and all of a sudden they're like, "That was him." It's almost like if you've ever been somewhere and you ran across a famous person and you're like, was that so-and-so? Like, that's crazy. Or is that that athlete? Or was that that person? I mean, I know that's happened to me before and it's kind of hits you and you're like left with like a, a wave of thoughts there. Um, you know, the experience would be this. God is not near and God is hard to find during tragic times. Because if God would just make himself more available to us and we could see him, then it wouldn't be so hard. But that's not necessarily the case. Um, that there's, there's something about having to go, God, where are you? And asking that a lot. And so that when God actually is clear to us, we're like, wow, that was God. God was clearly here. And I would say that it's really easy to miss that if we're not open to it happening. I think we have to be open to God moving and meeting us and surprising us. Because otherwise, you might 
chalk up the kind interaction you have with a random stranger as just a random thing. But if you're open to God coming to meet you, you might find that that, that quick interaction you had with a random stranger, that kind word or that kind look or whatever it may be, actually could be God. I think we miss God a lot of times because we don't allow God to surprise us. Because we just chalk it up to, well, that's just this, the moment and it's random and whatever else. But I think if we let ourselves, God could appear a lot more in our lives than what we think. And I think that may be the case for us today. I believe God appears to me through my, my children on a regular basis. Um, and through my wife. Through the people that I work with. Uh, even yesterday as I was at Whole Foods, I was able just to be with a person who was across the register and they were just like being so clean and thoughtful and I was just very grateful for this person, for them doing their, this job and um, this necessary, this essential job and how um, I think that if we let ourselves, we can have those moments where like, man, God is near. And it could be, a, I know it sounds small, but I think it's important to consider that. Um, and the last thing, just because of time I'll say is this. God speaks to our hearts in tragic times. The following verse in verse 32 says, They asked each other, Were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Um, Listening to our hearts is a really important thing. And I would say this, more than likely God speaks to our hearts before he speaks to our reason. I think that's why children have such access to the presence of God much more quickly than even adults do. Because we get caught up with all the knowledge and theology and the hurdles to jump around X, Y, and Z things, and we just miss that God wants to speak to our hearts. Some have called it a still small voice, you can call it Jiminy Cricket, whatever you want to call it, the Holy Spirit, but that, that I think God speaks to our hearts before He speaks to our reasoning. And that that's why we value so highly doing the work around your heart, around your emotions and feelings, because I think God has some words for us. I think we find that when we get really in touch with those feelings, whatever it may be, our heart, that we can go, wait a second, maybe God is here. When all else around us says He isn't, when God isn't near. No, God is near, and God does love, and God does see us. Um, I've known in my story so many times that I can look back and go, man, I was getting warning signs about something, or God was trying, to, I feel like I, even God was trying to speak to me, or, but I was just so consumed with like my reason and how something had to look and work, I, I miss God. And I've found that the biggest thing for me as I keep growing in my faith is that I just don't want to miss God. I get tired of missing God. I want God to be able to appear to me in different places, in different spaces, even in tragic times. And trust me, friends, I miss it a lot. But I also know the more runway I create with my heart, the more open I am. You know, studies show that when a baby is born, their frontal lobe is at 0% developed. And yet when a baby's born, their limbic, which is your feeling center, is somewhere between 95 to 99% developed. Which means a human's first interaction with the world is through their feelings. They're, they're meant to be able to be able to know what's going on with inside of them and, um, and in turn to communicate that uh, because we are feelings people. 
And that also means God wants to talk to us through these, these feelings. And if there was ever a Christ City message that was cliche, it's that. Just because it's cliche doesn't mean it's not profound. And so I'd ask you, what are you doing to clear the space for your heart to be heard? And maybe in those places, God wants to speak to you. And maybe in turn, when you do that enough times, when we do that enough times, um, we can actually be with other people more during these times. To see them. To not have to run from them. Um, to ask them how they're doing. And to know that by doing that, we're even creating the cycle of God showing up in our sadness by doing that for another person. So, love you all. Miss you all. Um, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday.